0: We are studying the book of Corinthians, first Corinthians, and we are in the process of working our way through chapter 10, verse 23 through 11 one. Um, we're making good progress. I believe some of you would probably argue with me on that, but I think we're doing a pretty good job of it. And I think about that song that we just sang. I surrender all. Uh, the men's Bible study this morning we were looking at uh, Haggai where the Jews had come out of Babylonian captivity and had just been thrilled with their freedom and what has happened and within a very short time within five years the things of God had become not necessary uh, freedom became the larger issue. Uh, paneling my home, getting warm clothes is some of the text you see. And that's really what we're looking at in this text is freedom. Because our freedom is based on an amazing statement. Verse 31, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do all to the glory of God. And how does that work? Our focus this Lord's Day will be verses 23 through 30. We're finishing up uh, about a four or five part study on that first point in your outline. The wisdom of our freedom. We have freedom, but we have a wisdom in that freedom. I want to read those verses. We'll ask the Lord to teach us. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord and all that it contains. If one of the unbelievers invites you and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, This is meat sacrificed to idols. Do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. I mean, not your own conscience, but the other man's. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Father, I ask that you open our eyes, our souls to you. That we hear your word, that your Holy Spirit makes it real, makes it wondrous in our bodies, and that we understand the joy of our salvation, the freedom that we have. And yet, Father, that we also understand, do all to your glory. Father, thank you for drawing us this day. Thank you for bringing us. Thank you for the fellowship of your saints. Thank you for the strengthening of your word. Thank you for the protection of your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. When you read that verse, verse 30, do I understand what it's saying? Or verse 31, I'm sorry. Do I understand what it says? Whatever I do, do I do for the glory of God? Because that's basically the issue of your salvation. My salvation was to bring me into such a relationship with God that everything in my focus, everything meaning and purpose in life is now based on doing it for the glory of God. We are looking at understanding our freedom in Christ. That's what Paul's debate in the church in Corinth is. You need to understand something about the church in Corinth. It did not have a doctrinal problem. Okay. It had a problem because the world had become a greater influence in the church than the church was being an influence in the world. We've got to be warned about that because I believe that in America today, that is our single greatest threat. And then it's masqueraded and packaged in all kinds of different ways and attitudes and actions. But I can tell you by just the group here that I have ministered with for these many years that our biggest single struggle that you will deal with on a daily basis is what? The world's influence on your thinking, your action, your planning. It's that simple. And, and it's very difficult because when does the world relent? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. (laughs) The world says, all right, we give up. Okay, but I I see it all over the place. I want to review this quickly because what we're looking at is our wisdom of our freedom. The first subpoint that's not on your, that you were going to make notes on, was edify over gratify. All right, why? Verse 23 says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Think about that word for a second. Okay, How much do I do in my life that you would classify as profitable to you? Okay, When I'm making decisions on how to exercise my freedom, ask yourself, does it have a neutral balance or a profitable balance? Too many, I believe, this day, have a neutral balance. It doesn't do anything. Why? Because he makes the second part of it, but not all things edify. And you, if you want to know what all that is, you're going to have to get the tape or CD or whatever. Uh, it may even be still on the website, but it needs to strengthen me. It needs, will it strengthen my faith? God made this mystery. Paul talks about in the letter to the Ephesians. It's a a thing that was veiled. It was there. We've seen it, but it was a mystery. We didn't understand it. And we call it today the church. And he says, in the church, I will supernaturally empower people. And then those people are gifts to the church. For what? The equipping of the saints, the edifying of the saints for what? What? The work of ministry. If you go through uh, the people that we support as missionaries, you will find one common theme with all of them. They have one focus. Strengthening of the saints with the scriptures. Period. Period. We don't need psychology. We don't need philosophy. We don't need any of that. We need the Holy Spirit working through men and women who have bowed to the scriptures, giving the scriptures. I don't need books about the scriptures. I need the scriptures. The people that we invest in who are furthering the gospel are doing just that. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He says, I need to look over, instead of gratifying myself, I need to look at edifying. Verse 23. All right? Then you see in verse 24, let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. Who's your neighbor? My neighbor, one of my neighbors, came over for Bratwurst last night. She's not a believer. Her husband is not a believer, and uh, it was great to see her. And it was great to see some of you interacting with her. We had hoped and we had prayed that her husband was working a little late, that he would bring him back, and uh, that she would bring him back over. But they didn't come back, and that's fine. We were successful, absolutely successful. All right, that's the kind of stuff that we have to understand. Are others more important than myself? If you are a parent, you understand what I'm talking about. That is one of them venues you walk into and you get taught that right off the bat. If you look at our society today, you will see that a lot of struggles in the homes today is that the parents want to be as just as important as the kids and that's why you have tragedy in the homes. Okay. One of the things that you gotta ask yourself a question. This, I mean, it's common sense. Who do you have to teach self-centeredness to? Have you ever had to teach somebody to be selfish? No. It's our our nature in our fallenness. And what happens is, now that we are saved, Paul is telling this church, now that you're saved, others need to be more important than yourself. And I like that. The neighbor, anyone who is not you, is your neighbor brother, sister, husband, wife did you know we were created as relationship creatures some of you say well I prefer to be alone yeah you do there's a time that I do the truth of the matter is we were created to have relationships the problem in our societies today the problem with fallen man today is that everybody's worried about their own rights okay and what can I get out of this and Paul says here let no one seek his own good all right. Then he goes on. I want to show you this. This is this is amazing stuff because he moves out of uh, out of edifying over gratifying, and then he goes with others over self, and then he moves into the one that the tension uh, exists in Christendom today, and I call it liberty over legalism. Liberty over legalism. Um, verse 25 says, "Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience' sake." In the church in Corinth, in the city of Corinth, if you wanted to go down and get you a nice prime rib, okay, you had to go down to the marketplace to get this piece of meat. And the odds are it came through a temple. People would take an animal, a lamb, uh, whatever it might be, a chicken, it could be uh, a goat, it could be beef, whatever it would be, they would offer it to the priest, they would get a portion of it, part of it would be burnt to whatever God they were worshiping, and the priest would get a part of it, because that's part of his payment. Some priests had learned how to take that piece of meat and give it to a butcher to sell it so they could make more money. And so a lot of times when you went to a butcher or to a market area to buy this piece of meat, it had come through some temple, some idol worship. And he says, when you get ready to go down there and get your filet mignon, just get one. Don't ask. We deal with it today. All right? We had brats last night. Quickly, tear the packages off. We don't want to see if there's any beer brats. Okay? Okay. That's what we got to do. Why? That could be soaked in beer. Could be. Could be. All right? Was this cooked in wine? Was it? I don't know. Do you cook brats in wine? I don't think you do. Anyway, but you see what I'm getting at? We see that all the time. I, I like to smoke meat. Um, I just like to smoke meat. Smoke meat. And there, there's a tub that you put in the bottom of it that you fill to keep it from if you don't know anything about smoking uh, I will make it worse but um, the smoke dries out the meat I like to put a white Zinfandel in that pan and the smoke it keeps the meat moist but it gives it just that fruity flavor okay now I don't tell a lot of people that why? he did what? yeah I got the bird drunk and then I smoked him Okay, But do you see what I'm getting at? I see people who... Now listen, if somebody bothers you, if that bothers you and you come over and have smoke pheasant in my house, don't ask. That's what Paul's saying. For conscience sake, don't ask. Why? Because if you run around and ask people, does this offend you, you're going to end up in a straitjacket. Because I guarantee there's something you do that will offend others. And there's something that I probably do that will offend people. Alright, right, get a hold of that. And he says, for conscience sake, don't make a fuss over it. Go down there. What was happening in this church? We looked at the first six chapters, first seven chapters. He's dealing with division in the church. Why? People are nitpicking each other. Why? Did you know I caught Bob down there at the butcher of the temple of Dionysus and he was buying filet mignon? And I know he took that demon-offered meat home and ate it. Okay, Greek mythology uh, mythology believed that if a demon was hanging out on your hamburger and you ate that demon guess where it went in your belly and you was demon possessed now I've had some food in different parts of the world that was demon possessed that my stomach went nuts and I said that's awful Okay, and then me and the demon parted ways But, but that's the thing that you need to get a hold of here because what he's saying is listen there's things that are out there what things are lawful all things. All things are lawful. Okay? Now listen, let me give you a caveat to this. There are things in the Bible that God says are not lawful. Okay? No other gods. Okay? That's not lawful. All right? So there are specific things that God lays out that I, you do and you don't do. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Can a Christian see a PG 13 movie? Can a Christian see an R rated movie? Do women have to wear dresses in church? Do you, what about head coverings? Alright, and I'll deal with those. That's the next chapter. Don't sweat it. Okay, keep you coming back Sunday after Sunday. Oh, can they or can't they? I'm not telling. All right? But it's, it's just stuff like that I want you guys to get a hold of. And I said, well, you know, women can't wear makeup. They should never wear makeup. Now, I've seen some that should always wear makeup. Okay? But the beauty that you have for a woman needs to come from where? Inside. And then sometimes they need help outside. And it ain't that big a deal. But I watch people get all twisted up about this thing. What is it? It's legalism over... Liberty. when you think about legalism when you think about your freedom and you deal with people like this and let me tell you something you will I guarantee it when you deal with somebody like that the first thing I always think about is is it hindering my gospel okay I see people put do's and don'ts on the gospel that do not exist and that's legalism that's legalism You know, I hear people say, well, I think you're legalistic. And I said, well, I've been called the Antichrist, so I'm getting better. Uh, But I get stuff like that. I want you to get a hold of this. You're legalistic. Why? Because you meet on Sunday. Let me tell you something, brother and sister. I'd meet every day. It's just that you wouldn't be there. Why? The early church, when did they meet? Every day. They went from house to house. You guys want me to come over? Huh? I I mean, I can drive you into a whole new state of insanity. All right? It seems stuff like that. Why? Listen, I know what the option is. My option is to be surrounded by Christians or be surrounded by the world. And whoever I spend the most time around is what? Who has the greatest influence in my life. All right? That's legalism over liberty. I have freedom. I can go do, come and go. Play, pray, do what as I need. Be careful. Be careful. When I think about those two, the one that bothers me the most is when... And that's what Galatians is. Go look at Galatians. Paul is ticked off at the people in Galatia because they were bringing rules and regulations into the gospel that did not exist. Be very, very careful with that one. Okay? So... Verse 26 says, All of the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. So you know what that says to me right there? It says I'm allowed to go eat with pagans. Did you know that? I've had people get mad at me because I went to somebody's barbecue, a neighbor on the hill from us uh, as a fireman, and he has these summer parties. He calls them barn parties, and, and uh, they bring out tubs of liquor, uh, big wash tubs full of ice and liquor, but he's got, his wife makes some barbecue, that pulled barbecue. Ha! Huh. It's almost as good as stuff I've had in Memphis. Almost. All right? And I've had people say, well, how can you go over there? Well, they asked me. And, you know, it's free food. <laughs> you know, and I'm just giving thanks. Why? Well, it's the Lord's. I don't ask him, did you cook that in beer? Okay, you know, and they have other stuff to drink. You can get bottled water and stuff like that. You don't have to go and get hammered with them. See what I'm getting at? Well, you can't go eat with lost people. They're drunks. Yeah, so? Well, you can't go over there. Why not? Do you eat at a restaurant? Yeah. How do you know your waiter's saved? Your waitress is saved. Okay, but when God brings, and I shared this with you last week, when God brings a legalist into your life, it's for your blessing. It is why God has brought that legalist in so that you can walk with them and so they can learn what their freedom is. OK, and let me tell you something. It'll keep you busy. <laughs> All right. You'll have your work cut out with him because you get to walk. You get to exhort. When I exhort somebody, it means I'm going to get so close to you. I can walk you arm in arm and I can show you. Let me show you freedom in Christ. It isn't a bunch of do's and don'ts. You don't have to walk around afraid of everything. Okay? And you get the privilege of growing that precious child into the freedom into what Christ has called us to. That's fun! After a while. (laughs) In the beginning, you feel like, golly, I have just grabbed a hold of a whole flock of porcupines. (laughs) And they're cute and they're lovable and they say they love me but daggone I hurt all over. All right? But that's that's what it's about. All right. So I can even go. All right. So remember, I'm looking at this. The wisdom of my freedom. OK, my freedom. You've got to get a hold of this. Why? I just need to make sure that I edify instead of my gratification. Am I strengthening? It, and it may be myself. Will I be strengthened? I believe in my heart of hearts that I need about 10 to 14 days in Cozumel reading my Bible so I can be strengthened. Do I get a hearty amen out of that or anything? So, I mean, how strong could I be sitting on the beach reading my Bible? Okay. I didn't get anybody by that, did I? Anyway, it's stuff like that. You've got to get a hold of this. I want you to understand this. Why? I don't? We don't need to be bickering with one another. We don't need schism. If you think that that saint is doing something wrong and you disagree with him, you know what? Walk with him. Walk right beside him. And instruct them and instruct them, come walk with me i've had people make it's been a kind of a tough year for me, actually, that may be an understatement. one of the worst years I've ever had walking with my king, okay and yet it was one of the most instructive times that i've ever had why i it just I kept getting involved in things that Here's what my heart was, but everybody knew what my heart was. And that's, that's always scary, isn't it? I hate it when everybody's convinced they know what your, your heart is. And, and the truth of the matter is, what I learned was that sometimes when I walk with people, I challenge you, walk with me, okay? That's, that's the only thing I've ever asked. Why? Because you know what? Sometimes I'm going to learn from you. You're going to help me. Did you ever think about that? Did you know your presence helps me? It strengthens me. See, people don't ever think about that. They say, well, if I'm teaching a Bible study, or if I'm at this prayer meeting, or if I do this, then that... No. Sometimes just walking with a person. But what I have learned is that sometimes when people walk with me, it freaks them out. Okay? And and then I get myself... um, I don't know, they can't handle it, I can't handle it, or I don't learn, or they don't learn, or something happens, and there's a nasty little thing happens. Okay, a division that I see in the book of Corinthians. Alright, that's not what we've been called to. And and in as much as it is meant to me, I am to live at peace with who? All men. Okay, so I try to do that, and sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not even close. Alright? Because that is part of the wisdom of our freedom. We have freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. I like that in verse 27. Without asking questions. Don't ask questions. Go down there to the, get your nice, you know, slab of meat, whatever it is you're wanting. Okay? But now I want to move into verses 28 through 30. 28 through 30. This I call offend over offending. Offend over offending. Back to dinner at the pagan's house. Okay? You know, I got in trouble for saying that. Why are you calling them a pagan? because Paul calls him <laughs> you don't even call him a Greek he doesn't look like a Greek um, anyway I'm going back to the pagans house and I'm going to dinner and he's asked me to come over and we're going to sit down and watch a <laughs> a football game or a hockey game or I guess we're going to watch hockey of course the rest of them we may be losing all the rest of sports too so we may be doing nothing sitting and watching test pattern alright that's the pattern that's what we're looking at right now All right? we're there All right, back to dinner. I'm at a non-believer. Verse 28. If anyone says to you, he's having a party. uh, Use my neighbor who's got the little barn party. We're having a party. All right, we go up there. Someone at that party, but if anyone says to you, this meat, this is meat sacrificed to idols. Do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. Stop right there. You know what just happened there? It can be twofold. It can be twofold. Okay? Amazing the way the Word of God works. It could be that the host of the dinner knows of your faith and he rolls out a challenge. This meat has been offered to Zeus. It also could be. A believer who's at the dinner with you comes up and says, "This has been offered to Zeus." OK? What happened? Now let me share this. This is so cool. If it is, the non-believer comes and tells you, this is whatever it is, it's offensive. What's your response? No. Think about it for a second. I'm going to do what to the glory of God? What's preeminent in my life? God. God is preeminent in my life. And if the person comes up and says this is to this God, what would you say about your faith if you eat of it? Your faith isn't that important to you. Okay. Well, Terry, that don't make a bit of sense. Sure it does. Let me give it to you on a wholesale view. Why won't we tell our employers on Sunday morning that I can't work because I am worshiping the true and living God? Why won't I say that? Muslims do. Jews do. You know, by rights in this country, if you have that reasoning, guess what? They have to give you the time off. Now, there's certain stands. My wife is a nurse. Um, You can't have the nursing staff. It's funny because I remember in the hospital system that at Christmas, the Jews don't celebrate it, so a lot of the Jewish nurses and workers will do what? They'll come in and work through the Christmas holidays so that the Christians can have the holiday off. Why won't we... Tell our employer, that's a holy day for me. Okay? Do you know what you just told your employer? You know what you just told this pagan? What's important in your life? Who rules your life? Scary thought, isn't it? It's the same rule, same dynamic is playing out here. Same rule. okay. If it's a believer, and let's say young in the faith, what kind of society are they coming out of here in Corinth? Well, they're coming out of a society of pagan feasts. Anything you did in Corinth that was involved with the society was to a god or a goddess, everything. I don't care what it was. They had gods for the government. They had gods for your job. They had gods for this and gods for that. And everything had a festival or a feast to it. So if you were going to be socially involved, what were you going to be involved in? Some kind of feast to a demon. We've already looked at that text. Chapter 10. Alright, if they're coming out of that, they've been freed from that. Are they going to be afraid of that? Absolutely, it would be like this. You have a recovering alcoholic. That's what they call them. I don't call them that, but that's what they call them. I'm recovering. I'm coming out of it. Okay. They've come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They come over. Use my illustration of my neighbor in his barn party. They come over there and they find a Christian drinking a beer. Anybody want to debate me on whether a Christian can drink a beer or not? Biblically. Okay. But what happens if you have a Christian who's had a problem with alcohol and he sees a deacon, an elder, a pastor, another saint drinking a beer? What did you just do? You just seared to use this text You just seared his conscience into a place that you are now responsible. Okay? So look what he says. Here's what he says. Verse 29. I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's conscience. Okay? Why? Why? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to what? The glory of God. You know, how hard would this be? You're looking at this great piece of steak marinated to perfection. It's got the little burns in it. It's got the marbling in there, just perfect. And it's just crisp on the outside. But when you cut it a little bit, it's just juicy. And you're sitting there going, man. And the guy comes up and says, that's been offered to an idol. What's your response? Shut up! Don't tell me that! I'm not listening! Paul said that if I cause a brother or sister to stumble by eating a piece of meat, I will never eat meat again. I'm glad we don't have little temple markets because I like red meat. I mean, I'm hungry. I was invited. I know, here it is. What about offending the host? Right? I mean, hey, the dude worked hard. I see him out there keeping the charcoal on the barbecue, burning and everything. You look at that brother or sister and you say, does that really bother you? Or do you look at him and say, oh man, what kind of legalist are you? verse twenty eight this meat is offered do not eat it is Paul's response For whose conscience sake whoever it was it notified you whoever it was it notified you don't eat it. why? It's obvious at their point if it's a believer, it's obvious at this point in their spiritual maturity they can't handle it and you don't want to be responsible for causing them to stumble. Why? Because God has brought that individual or them individuals into your life that you may walk them in spiritual maturity. Here's the thing that we, we have bought into in the church in America today, especially uh, uh, the Baptist. We are not here to convert people. Okay? We're not here to do that. We are here for one reason, to make disciples. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them things that I taught you and Lord, I'm with you always. That's what we're here for. What does that mean? Come walk with me. Well, I want to make you a disciple. I want to show you freedom. All right? So if God gives you one at a dinner party, what are you going to do with it? Ah, oh, man. Is it such an opportunity? Why? If you've got a lost, get, a lost host and they have brought you there and they see you and the, another Christian arguing over a piece of meat... What are you saying to that lost person? I like it must be Democrats and Republicans. What did you just say? But if they see one say, if this offends you, I'll stop. What did you just say to that host? What did Jesus say? You will know them by this. What? Their love for one another. That guy took down the best ribeye that's ever been produced by man and he refused it for his love for that guy. What faith they have because their faith has produced a love. Well, but I thought we were trying to win. Ain't we winning a lost? How will you greater win the lost? Romans tells us that the love of God has been poured where? Into the hearts of the saints of God. Now, let me ask you a question. What did God sacrifice so that you would know His love? What would you sacrifice so that the lost would know God's love? See, the Corinthians had a problem with division. It was schisms. I mean, he gives you the good argument here. Verse 29. I mean, not for your own conscience, but for the others. Okay? Then he gives you that little phrase in there. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? <laughs> I don't know why. I, 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 I'll confess. I don't know how many times I've used that. How dare they? And the word in the original language that is translated in New American Standard, judge is condemned. You would condemn me for my freedom? Little legalistic, I'm telling you what, person. Hey, look what Paul says, though. Look look at his argument. I mean, this guy is phenomenal. Look what he says. If I partake with thankfulness, remember what he said? Verse 26, for the earth is the Lord and all is contained in it. What does that mean? It's all his. Let's see. Yeah. Right? It's all his. And if I have partaken with thankfulness, then I love New American Standard. has got a wonderful translation. Why am I slandered? Why would someone say something like that to me concerning that for which I have given thanks? I thank God for it. God provided. I think it was cool. You know, what? I think God brought me to this pagan's dinner so I can reach him with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can I be thankful for being able to intervene in this man's soul? How can I be thankful for this that God has provided? How can I be thankful to God for opening this door for evangelism and be slandered for it? How's the world going to know you're his disciples? Your love for one another. We maintain the unity and love of the body of Christ, don't we? Didn't I read that somewhere? Because that is the greatest testimony that we have in the world. Did you know that? You know, I've never met anybody in my 48 years of existence who's not looking for love. Okay, now they've corrupted it, and I've sung about it, looking for love in all the left places or wrong places or whatever. But do you see what I'm saying? We all want to be loved. We all want to be cared about. To what degree? Well, Jesus said, "My love, I give them to the degree I'd even hang on a cross." And then he says, "Come, follow me. Deny your self and do what? Take up the instrument of your crucifixion." Ew. I like taking up my cross. <laughs> it's easier. See, freedom. How can I be free and judged by another man's conscience? How does your love look to the lost person when you don't do something to make your brother condemn you? What would you do to condemn you? I've done something to make my brother condemn me. How does your love look to the lost person? Don't get into a position where my or where your freedom or your liberty is going to be an offense to another man's conscience. Don't go there. Just stay away from it. You're going to injure, but but what if I injure the non-believing host? Here's where we go wrong. 11 out of 10 times. It's true. When you as a Christian get ready to... to offend somebody are you more easily ready to offend a Christian or are you more easily ready to offend the non-believers and we'll spiritualize it they can handle it, they got the Holy Spirit won't we (laughs) that's what we do they can handle that why, they got the Holy Spirit, they can do it well they just need to read the Bible more I haven't seen him in church in a couple of weeks, so there you go. How do you expect him to act? What'd you just do? We have a tendency in Christendom this day to offend Christians quicker than we're willing to offend the lost. And Paul is saying, That's not right. That's not how it's done. That's not what God's called us to. I will offend a non believer quickly before you offend a believer. If that man loves that brother enough to make that sacrifice, there must be something to that man's love. Listen, that's what the world's looking for. How much love does that person have and are they willing to sacrifice it? Okay? I mean, it's just, it's funny because I watch, I was thinking about Matt and Shannon getting ready for marriage and I can talk about them because they're not here. Um, Well, I can. That's what it says in the Bible. Um, When I think about what they're getting ready to do, is did you know that marriage is the the best evangelistic tool that we got? Okay, that and funerals, but but uh, <laughs> no, we won't go there. Um, but the, the thing is, is that that bond that that man and woman enter into. That I, I hear everybody says the two are one, and that's that. No, it ain't. Ain't got nothing to do with the intimacy of the marriage bed. Okay, because they become one in spirit, one in Christ. Okay, and that oneness is manifest. Ask yourself, what was Jesus' relationship to his bride? He gave himself for her. What did he withhold? Even on his best fishing trip, he said, No, honey, I'm going with the bride. Okay? And what does the woman's response? She does what? To the husband. Gives herself absolutely. He now becomes the priority of her life, and she now becomes the priority of his life. That is what marriage is. Okay? Now, do you know, we do that with our wives and we think, well, sometimes we do that with our wives. We're supposed to do that all the time with our wives. But if you think about that, can you do that with another saint? Grab that one, chew on it. Because that's what Paul is telling you and me this day from this text. Why? That person's spiritual condition, his desires, her desires, her wills, her wants, her, what hurts her, what doesn't hurt him, and all that other stuff, that is primary focus of my life. And I will sacrifice what I know is fine before the Lord. I will sacrifice that to help them walk in that freedom. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying if there's a non-believer and they look at that, they're going to say, Whoa! I mean, it's one thing to have that merit, that kind of relationship between a husband and a wife. Do it with other Christians. That's hard. That is extremely hard. Why? It takes a sacrifice. It takes a sacrifice. The single most valuable thing that you have right now, and that is your time. Okay, we're we're we've got so much going on in our country today. Um, that we'll give money as long as somebody else goes and does it. I'll even get a credit card to send you off to Ethiopia. But why won't the saints of God invest in the saints of God? And we'll offend a saint before we'll offend a lost person. Do you know what, that... Let me give you another practical, and I give you the first illustration of this. <clears throat> the church in America today is corrupt, okay, um, and I, I would almost even go as far as say she's almost rotten to the core. Here's why. I just downloaded some stuff. I haven't got all the numbers off of it. But it talks about uh, the the largest industries in America today, largest uh, movers and shakers and money makers in America today. And you know what number three is? Evangelical Church in America. And the reason that it's doing so well is they're taking uh, Master of Business MBAs and they're plugging in them with pastors And they're plugging the business system into that pastorate and they're generating what we call mega churches today to the point there was a church that was running $63,000 yearly budget a year ago. This year they're preparing to buy the old stadium, uh, the old uh, place where the Houston Rockets play. Their budget has moved to 55 million a year, one year's time on business principles. Okay. And it's business principles, they'll tell you, there are three deacons, all have MBAs. Okay? Does that qualify them to be a deacon? Not my Bible. Okay? How's come? It's a consumer. okay? How many people go to church today for what they can get? What love does that show the, the world, the lost people? See what I mean? And that's the model that exists today. Why I'm going to church because they have what? They have a divorce recovery workshop. They have an alcoholism co- workshop. They got uh, singles ministry. They got the, 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 you go down the. I mean, I've run out of things. I keep, every time I think that they've got, you know, we have, uh, what do they call that? Uh, Jamaican music in our worship out in this tent. And you're like, what? I think it'd be kind of cool to hear Amazing Grace on steel drums, but I'm not sure that. I... But you see what I'm trying to get at? Look at the church in America today and ask yourself, does she look like this? But yet we will base success in the church based on what? Well they're making fifty-five million dollars in one year, and they went from sixty thousand. That's gotta be of God, right? Is it what testimony does that say to lost people? Paul's points here in this text, being thankful, he says. <clears throat> If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning for that which I give thanks? Here's what his comment is on that. To say thank you to the Lord. And the word thankful there is charis, that we get charisma from, that we get grace from. It is ridiculous to say to the Lord and to thank him for a gracious gift of this food. And then go ahead and eat while a brother in the Lord is condemning you. Not really consistent, is it? You don't thank God and go out and do something that's going to make some other Christian go out and condemn you for doing it. That's what Paul is saying. Okay, be careful of legalism. I've already shared that with you. You can't thank God for something that a brother is going to stumble over, can you? And yet when you go to the church today... When I look at the bride of Christ, when I look at you people who are here this day, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are, you know that you are here to minister to me. Did you know that? Let me give you a different term for minister. Okay? Because it's the same word. You're here to serve me. How many think that the pastor is here to serve the people. Don't get me wrong. Yes. Yes. But if you really think about what the pastor's responsibility is, it's very, very simple. Two things the pastor is responsible for. Did you know that? Just two things. Weddings and funerals. No, (laughs) no. Two things. What are they? The word. Prayer. That's his responsibility—the word and prayer. What else happens in the church is responsibility of the rest of the congregation. Boy, it sure does shoot the consumer model apart, doesn't it? See how we've corrupted it? That's t- terrible. Why? Who's more important? Okay. Take it from this perspective. When a lost person looks at the church today, who's most important in the church? Okay. Now listen, I want to give you a little caveat to this thing. I don't mean that we need to run around and start offending all the lost people at will. Okay. That's not what this text is saying. Look at verse 32 for a second. Give no offense. Okay. Either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. All right. So you need to be aware if you have a choice, the basics rule is don't offend anybody. Okay. If you have to offend somebody who should be first on the list. You, you, before you even offend a weaker brother, offend a lost person. If you have a choice, you have a choice to offend an unbeliever, offend the unbeliever before the brother. Okay? If you can, Paul says, don't offend anybody don't do anything that's going to cause someone else to condemn you all right that's it rolled up in a nutshell so just in verses 23 through 30 you have wisdom of your freedom for this reason to do all for the glory of god why here's my wisdom edify over gratify others over self liberty over legalism and offend over offending offend the non-believer instead of offending the saint of God offend yourself before you offend anybody that's the key to this that's our freedom brothers and sisters okay you know what's really cool about it now Everyone in this room has that knowledge, so you are now without excuse. And that wisdom of your freedom, do all for the glory of God. Father, I just give you the praise for your word. Give you praise for your precious bride, your church. And Lord, I just, I thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for them lilacs. That I can smell those lilacs. Father, I thank you for these brothers and sisters. Thank you for the son this day. I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and souls of your people. And Father, may beginning with me, Father, let me not be an offense. But Father, let me not compromise your gospel. Father, beginning with my precious brothers and sisters that I labor with. Father, let them not be offense, but let them not compromise your gospel. Father, may the love that you've poured in our hearts, the Father, the love that you showed us on that cross at Calvary, may that be the sole source of how we act, our actions and our attitudes. Lord, I just praise you for this time. I praise you for your precious bride, your church, and what she means to me, what she means to, to my family. Father, may we never take one another for granted. May we just rejoice at the time you give us. May we draw nearer to one another and may that love be the thing that we are noted for. To your glory and praise. Christ's name. Amen.